Welcome to The Wrong Side of the Maelstrom, a Warhammer 40,000 podcast based in Southern Ontario. But tonight, we're not talking about Warhammer. Jason joins friend of the Maelstrom, Elton, and the two of them, without me, talk about the state of Marvel Studios, discussing films and television shows that have come out of Marvel in the past year or so, and what's been happening in that universe. Uh, instead of our usual hobby progress and games played, uh, the two of them jump right into it. Nevertheless, be sure to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash wrong side of the maelstrom. We're also on itoysoldiers at itoysoldiers.com slash wrong dash side dash maelstrom. If you wish to contact us via email, we can be reached at wrong side of the maelstrom at gmail. And finally, please subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes, and leave us an iTunes review. Also, right now, we have the Finish Your Army Hobby Challenge on our Facebook page and at iToy Soldiers. We're asking listeners to uh, finish their Warhammer 40,000 army by August, and we're going to be giving out prizes for most painted and best painted. Also, if you're in Windsor, uh, Brimstone Games has a miniatures night on Tuesdays, so be sure to check that out. If you're local to Windsor, join the Greater Windsor Table Warriors over at itoysoldiers.com and come out to their regular club days to get some games in. Jason, and now my home store, is the Games Workshop at Young and Lawrence in Toronto, so check that out too. Please enjoy tonight's special episode, and we'll see you on the wrong side of the mailstone. Now entering the wrong side of the maelstrom. Welcome to another special episode of Wrong Side of the Maelstrom. We're not going to be covering 40k in this episode, just so everyone knows. We're going to get another type of nerd on. We're going to be talking about the state of Marvel Studios. So we'll be covering things like uh, Daredevil Season 2, Civil War, Deadpool, X-Men Apocalypse, everything that's come out in the last little bit. So... Fair warning ahead of time, there's going to be a lot of spoilers. But at this point, if you haven't watched that stuff, I don't care if I'm spoiling it for you. I'm going to be straight up honest. Um, I'm Jason from Wrong Side of the Maelstrom. Ian's not with us today, unfortunately. He is back in Windsor. I think he's going to be hanging out with some of those guys. But I do have a special friend from the Maelstrom today. I have Elton Hobson, global news reporter. Hello, Maelstromers. Right on, man. So uh, let's just jump right into it. All right. At first, uh, let's talk about the um, the latest Fox movies that have come out, um, specifically like Deadpool and X-Men Apocalypse. Okay. What were your impressions, man? Well, I think the impression the public has from the most recent X-Men movie is that it was kind of a flop. The critics didn't like it. It didn't make a whole lot of money. But when you talk to comic book fans, a lot of them really liked it. Yeah, man. I fucking love that movie. I felt like... It was strange. Next to Deadpool, I felt like it was, it felt most like you were watching a comic book movie. Right. Like it felt like I was reading an X-Men comic. And that's kind of, I think, that's been the consensus amongst comic book fans. Is it really does feel like the X-Men cartoon of the 90s in both a good and a bad way in terms of we're thrown a lot of characters. Not all of them are given a huge amount of depth. That's the big thing though, is that like there were so many characters added in that like, okay, you see Jubilee in there. Well, she only has a few lines. She doesn't get any action in the movie or anything like that, but that's okay. You're leading up to the next movie, the 90s movie, where Jubilee is going to be a dominant character probably, right? Right. 
you know, how great would it be if you, you mentioned they're going to the 90s movie? Yeah. If they did the 90s X-Men and the credits open and it's just the credits from the 90s cartoon. With the like name cards and yeah, like come on, just go for it at this point. I think that's it. And I feel like in Apocalypse, they kind of just went for it. I mean, they played it safe in a few areas here and there, but they really went for like a real X-Men movie feel. The one thing that's a, a, a bit of a knock on Fox's approach now, um, and it's kind of weird that I'm saying this because 10 years ago, this would have been unheard of. Yeah. But their continuity of their films are very jarry and it almost seems like every movie they make takes place in like a new, like they don't really have a plan. It's just kind of maybe they're rebooting it or maybe it's in this timeline and who cares and it's weird because the marvel studios movies have kind of taught audiences to look for continuity you know i'm watching a movie i want to see my i uh, want these look. these movies to mix in together and right. stuff like that and yeah. this calls back to this thing and this joke about you know this recalls back to this avengers movie and it all kind of works as this thing mm-hmm. and so i think fox needs to start embracing that a bit more as a studio, but I just don't know that they're going to do that. Well, do they have enough titles to do that? That's the problem, right? Like we already know that there's going to be a Deadpool and X-Men crossover or okay. Cable coming over or something like that. Cause I was obviously hinted at the end of Deadpool, mm-hmm. right? Hinted kind of Confirmed. just like slapped you in the face with it. But yeah, <laughs> I, the, the rumor is that it'll actually be an X-Force movie that Deadpool will be appearing in. Which would be interesting. Yeah. The, the strange thing is, I mean, I guess they couldn't, you have to bring X-Men up to like the current time, right? Like, they're in the eighties in the last one, right? Well, Deadpool takes place like modern day, didn't it? Yes. From my understanding. Yes. So where do you, like, you can't have the X-Men that you had. Like Cyclops is going to be a fucking, well, I guess he'll be like 30, late thirties by the time the, you'll have to recast him, which is yeah. another interesting problem. So you brought this new Cyclops on only to recast him as a now a 40 year old man to put yeah. him in the, the current timeline. Or do you bring Deadpool back in time through with Cable or something like that, right? I think the character of Cable gives you the option of bringing Deadpool back in time. Because Cable himself was a time traveler. Yeah, exactly. It would be a bit of a stretch because, you know, Deadpool did establish he has this love interest and this, like, tie in the, like, it was all yeah, this Yeah, girl. you're pulling him away. And like you just, you're just going to go back in time and, like. I think they just need to keep doing what they're doing, man. Like, that that wanting to cross over is so, like, it's so there. It's so ready. But you're going to, you're going to break what you have, I feel. And you're going to go back to what Fox movies used to be, which is just like, let's throw as much in as we can and get the money while we can, right? Just Marvel didn't get that crossover just from Iron Man. It took them like four or five movies before you could have lots of crossovers whenever it happened, right? Right. And that was kind of the genius. I mean, in hindsight, at the time, it was a very uh, risky strategy. But the genius of Marvel Studios is that they did the opposite of what DC and Warner Brothers is trying to do, which is we start a movie that features nine or ten different heroes and then spin them out into their own movies. Yeah, yeah. This, we brought, not you know, I guess it was actually five or six heroes in their separate movies together yeah. in a team-up movie, mm-hmm. which nowadays is seems like the obvious approach, but at the time, it was a very controversial move. Oh, obviously, you're... Or risky move, I should you say. Be no make, was you guys be making movies, like a Thor movie or something like that, right? It's right. such a risk, man. Or a Captain America movie. Yeah. <laughs> which now, fucking everyone's loving, like... I'm actually, I'm glad we got to Cap. Uh, we'll probably revisit it a bit more as we get into Civil War, yeah. but I want to take podcast listeners back a little bit if I can. <laughs> Let's go back to, like, high school, King City, secondary school... <laughs> And this this man across from me is the biggest Captain America fan that any small town Canadian kid has ever been. And it was it was like this weird like he likes Captain America, okay, and Jay would always say he's the coolest character and he's the best. And as usual, he's about 10 years ahead of pop culture because you can't walk down the street anymore without seeing the Captain America shield on a little kid's shirt. Yeah. yeah. He is the face of the Marvel universe. Yeah. He is maybe their most successful series of films. 
So, you know, congratulations for being right on that one. Yeah, we'll get back into it when we talk about the Cap movie. But yeah, man, I'm a huge Cap fan. He just represents like so much more than just America, I feel. Anyways, yeah. though, um, so seeing crossovers, is there? do you think there's any other crossovers? Do you think we're going to see these Fox movies crossed over into Marvel Studio movies? I doubt it at this point. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, if North Korea decides to hack the movie studios again, the, the cards could be shaken again. Yeah. I doubt it, though, because Fox and Marvel have a very contentious relationship. Mm-hmm. And they've not always gotten along. And it, the, the scuttlebutt has always been that they're kind of at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. The rumor, though, is that if they ever were to work something out the way Marvel and Sony worked, yeah. worked out kind of a weird deal, it would be this. Marvel would give up the rights to an X-Men TV show. Because right now, Fox has the movie rights, but the TV rights are kind of unclear. Yeah, uh, Unclear enough that there's never been an X-Men TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, so Marvel will give that up in exchange for Fox giving up the rights to the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Of movies that traditionally, I mean, especially the last one, tanked on almost every level. Now, here's the, like, I would love to see Fantastic Four be done by Marvel Studios. Because you know that they, they can hit any genre they want, right? Fantastic Four has possibly one of the best genres which is like space adventure, much like Guardians of the Galaxy, but even more far-fetched, like very lost in space, very episodical. It makes for a great TV show if you could do it, where every week they're going to a new dimension, a new planet, something Absolutely. like that, right? Another great element of the Fantastic Four, a genre you, that, that, that the Fantastic Four touches is sitcom. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize it, but it's a family sitcom. Yeah. They're pranking each other. They're getting each other's nerves. The thing relationship men, right? Drama. Like, yeah. like you can have a sitcom with high fantasy and science fiction stakes. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how a Fantastic Four movie should be. And they've never really done that. No, they want to go for the big action and stuff like that. And not really, can you sell an action movie with a guy that fucking stretches his arms and shit like that? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, straight action is kind of the wrong genre. And I don't want to knock the earlier Fantastic Four mm-hmm. movies, the Tim Story Fantastic Four. They're not Gone with the Wind, don't get me wrong. But they did. They were kind of like fun, disposable little comic book movies. Yeah, well, they were early Fox movies, right? Like, right. The... I don't really think Jessica Alba is great casting. As oh, I don't think any woman. of them. Sorry, even, even even Chris Evans wasn't a great cast choice as um, the Human Torch. Uh, I think he did all right. He just been totally overshadowed by his role. But was, was it? It could have been the script as well, though, right? Yeah. Like the script wasn't. And Michael Chiklis in the big suit. I mean, like as much as it's just a guy in a big rubber suit, Michael Chiklis really loved the thing. You could tell, and he yeah, had a fun yeah, thing. Yeah. And those movies did have some fun in them. So I don't want to say it's never been done, but it's never been done the way you read it on the page. Did you see the newer one? Yep. What was your impression? It was a huge mess. And I don't want to point any fingers because it's so petty of me to sit outside the industry, outside of make... That movie had a ton of production problems and you read about it a lot. And then Josh Trank disowned it on Twitter and got in a huge fight with the studio. Yeah. There was a lot of drama around that movie. So, and it really showed in the movie. This, it, when they jumped in time forward a year, I was just like, what? <laughs> and the way the movie went with like Reed Richards is like on the run from the government and like... They're not even really like they don't even really like each other until the last five minutes. It felt so weird. It felt like I wondered what Fantastic Four they had read because it looked had a completely different tone. Yeah, fantastic. Also, they also took the thing's penis off, which I was not a big fan of. <laughs> Stan was right. Put the little briefs on him, leave it ambiguous. Yeah, yeah. If he lost his junk, don't you be like, yep, he lost his penis. Like <laughs> that's a blow to inflict on a character. I don't know. Like, yeah. Ugh. Um, I really li- like. I didn't really like the movie. I loved the first bit. Maybe it's because they spent so much time talking, like with character developments of that. Like I started watching, being like getting into it, losing track of time, being like, "All right, man, I'm getting into this. If you keep going like this, you got yourself a franchise, man." Yeah, you can see the the seeds of it, especially because it's based on the Ultimate Fantastic Four. So yeah. it's not a rocket ship, in which space. I'm 
a huge, like I'm an ultimate series guy, which a lot of people are like shit all over you. Cause you're like, Oh, you're a millennial. You like, it's like, no man, I was fucking, I was like 13 or 14 when they started up. I think it was 13 when the ultimate universe started up. That's the easiest way for a kid to get into comic books. Absolutely. Right. And so like, I knew the storylines, but like, man, it's hard for me to jump into like, 30 years of X-Men comics that I have to catch up on, right? Absolutely. I mean, you want to, people want to crap on the Ultimates line. It got us and a generation of people into comic books. Into comic books, not only that, but it inspired a movie series. Right. Like the, exactly. The, the Avengers are more the Ultimates than they are yes. like the Avengers. Anyone who's seen the Avengers and liked it, they owe a huge debt to that Mark Millar series, The yeah. Ultimates, because it bored heavily. Nick Fury bringing the team together, the whole alien invasion plot line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. really bored heavily mm-hmm. from that. And the, the new a, Spidey. A black, a black Nick Fury. A black Nick Fury, exactly. <laughs> and the new Spidey is very obvious. I mean, certain elements of Ultimate Spider-Man were just the, the original character refurbished. You're not going yeah, to get too far yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. But it is very ultimate base. He seems very techy. They're really focusing on how young he is. I think I think when they do, because Marvel Studios has like, um, not rights to the Spider-Man Homecoming, but they have like um, input, like very strong Beyond input. input. They are, they have complete control. Complete control over it, right? It's not official, but it's official. Okay. They're making the movie. I think you're going to be able to tell how much of like the ultimate influence they're having by how they do the characters in that. Because if Eddie Brock is like a skinny guy, okay, like a, for grace then you know they're pulling from ultimate right can we, can we please not do that we've had like can we, can we cast eddie brock as someone intimidating a big jack guy not like i don't have to have to be brock lesnar <laughs> <laughs> though let's be honest if you're gonna make a 90s eddie brock it's like yeah. it's brock lesnar it's brock lesnar in a black suit <laughs> right like like that's the guy i wanted to see fight uh, toby Maguire. have you heard they're doing a venom movie yes but what a disaster uh, wow like, yeah it's gonna be a disaster just every time i think like sony is back to like getting it and then they're like, we're going to make an independent Venom movie separate from our Spider-Man movie and mm-hmm. it won't feature Spider-Man. It's like... Now, here's the thing is, we're well, we should probably start talking about um, Deadpool, but this is a good lead into it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, now with Deadpool doing so well, being R-rated, now they're going to make Wolverine R-rated. Do you think they're going to make Venom R-rated? That's it. That's a really interesting I question. I also feel like anti-hero movies are very hard to do. Like, we had talked about, I forget what character it was, but we'll use Venom, for example. Like... Ven- or Punisher, when they do a Punisher series, right? Punisher can't be that guy that, oh, but he secretly has a heart of gold. It's like, no, man. Punisher's going to always fuck people up. That's what he does. Don't make him the good guy. It, I was thought that sentence before of gold. He secretly has a heart. And the yes. most recent show brought that out. But how much are you going to show it in his own TV show? Um, I think it needs to bleed through in just tiny little moments is how it works best. Kind of like in the TV show where he broke down in the graveyard and cried yeah. and had that great moment. But you need to balance that out with scenes like when he's in the courtroom and he's just completely unrepentant. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want, I'm like, hold or, on, or my he, lawyer is going to get me off. I don't want to get off. Yeah, like, yeah. I did it and I don't, I'm not sorry. Or, or when he digs a well with a coffee mug. Or Exactly. <laughs> like, just those scenes that just establish that, like, he's not, he's not repentant. He's not sorry. He's not, like, he's not on some weird out of body thing. It's like he's completely mm-hmm. committed. But I think that you need to do something like that with Venom. Like, okay. Venom can't be a good guy at all, really. He he can't have a good side, but you can't. It can't be the dominant force of like pushing a movie. The characters kind of had it both ways over the years, where Mm -hmm. like he started as a bad guy, and then for a while in the '90s he was a good guy again. But like he would kill people. Well, that's what I mean. You can be a good guy, but you still have to be killing people. You still have to be equaling that out with like how vicious you are. Um, But anyways, talking about R ratings and stuff like that. um, Deadpool. Yeah, Deadpool. (laughs) Deadpool changed the game as far as not just comic book movies, but action movies. Action movies, I think. Yeah just what big studios will consider yeah. that the story of that, how that movie was made 
So Fox was ambivalent. They weren't going to make it, especially with Ryan Reynolds helming it because of Green Lantern. There was some, yeah. there was some ambivalence. Um, if you, you remember when that Deadpool clip leaked on YouTube a little while ago, I would say maybe two years ago, and it was an action scene on the highway that is in the movie. Yeah. It's been redone, but it's in the movie. Um, and it's just this quick little clip that aired, and it was kind of like a demo for what Deadpool could be. Yeah, That was what they showed the studio, and I guess when they got the ambivalent reaction, they put it on YouTube. And when it got that reaction, that was kind of like what tipped the studio to do it. Okay. So the studio only gave that, I think a movie had a budget of 50 or $60 million. Incredibly tiny budget for like for an action movie. For when you look at things like Iron, Iron Man gets like right. $200 million and stuff Exactly, like that, right? at yeah. least. The latest Avengers had $250 million. Yeah, well, Iron Man was like starting off, right? But yeah. Yeah. So the fact that that movie got the return, I think it made $800 million, the highest grossing R film of all time. Yeah. So it's changed the game. I think it also shows you that like society and viewers are ready. Like yep. it's not the intimidating 80s or 90s of like, well, maybe not so much the 80s, but like the 90s and the early 2000s where you got to play it safe a little bit or people are going to come after you. No, man, we made a rated R movie. We told you not to come see it because it's going to be rated R. We're going to do it exactly what we want to do. And everyone fucking likes it. Right. They fucking went to go see it, right? Yep. And, uh, and it kind of showed you how a character like Deadpool can work. Uh, with the X-Men as well, because they're in it, and they get made fun of, but they never get, like, the, the air doesn't get let out of the content. Oh, you know they still I mean? have some amazing scenes, right. too. It's not like, oh, you had the X-Men in there to make fun of them. No, you had the X-Men in there, you crack some jokes, and Colossus still kicked ass. Yeah. Right? What a cool version of that character. That was almost the 90s version of that character. The 90s cartoon Did you, version. you never saw him outside of the metal, no. did you? Which is a shame, because I was so, I think when we went to go see it, we were sat down, I think I turned to you and said, I'm really excited to see how they do the the turning into metal because that's always been like with colossus that's always been my intrigue was how like i think in the in the 90s cartoon they had him like shine glow and then then, like have it on there's been a version where it was like ching 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 because he has those lines in the metal right where it'd be like each individual one that's the the brian singer version of x-men of it there's ones where armors up like iron man yeah there's one that um like kind of milks over him kind of Mm -hmm. So I was really interested in seeing which way they were going to go with it, and they didn't do any way. The way they went with it was have a completely CG character, so you don't have to hire an actor. Yeah. Was it completely CG? Yep. Oh, really? I, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously not, because you have to have a mocap guy, but like, Derek, like he is a uh, CG creation for the hmm. entire movie. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know if he was, I wonder if he was actually on set or anything like that. A fun little tidbit for Deadpool, since we were just talking about yeah. Marvel Fox cooperation, is uh, Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel Studios, yeah. actually allowed, he gave a small concession to... Uh, to Fox for that movie. The other X-Men in that movie is Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Mm -hmm. A character who is kind of like on the border of whether they have the rights to it or not. Okay. Because the way she was in in Deadpool is very different from how she is in the comics. I don't think that... Is that her name in the comics? It is, yeah. Yep. Um, But just completely different power and like look and everything. So there's a bit of a question as to whether they actually had the rights to that character. And uh, Tim Story, the director... Not Tim Story, sorry. uh, The director of Deadpool kind of went to Kevin Feige and just asked if they could use it. And Kevin's like, yeah, all right. Yeah. And just wasn't decided not to like be a dick about it. Yeah. yeah. So maybe, I mean, it's just maybe an example that like Marvel is just printing money left and right. And like, sure, you can have teenage warhead. Well, one thing I want to talk about is like, how have these movies like X-Men Apocalypse and Deadpool, how have they helped the genre and Marvel studios? Like you have to admit that like Deadpool doing well, like doesn't hurt Marvel. It only helps them because people are like, yeah, six superhero movies are good. That's true in a way, but Marvel and through them, Disney is really playing hardball with the properties they don't own anymore. Okay. Properties is one thing, but by letting the properties that you do have 
putting out good movies, like putting out a stinker only wrecks the genre. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That you put out a bad super, you put out a Fantastic Four, people are like, oh, another bad superhero movie. Whereas if all you do is put out good product, regardless of what studio is doing it, they only benefit each other. Like you put out uh, Batman versus Superman. And it's like, really? This right. is the movie you're wasting our time with? And it's something we've discussed before, but a, a problem, I don't think it's as widespread, but it's still a problem, is that all those movies open with the Marvel banner. And there's a segment of the audience that doesn't know that the studio owns certain movies and doesn't own certain movies. Yeah, a so, lot. Of, yeah, I know my mother doesn't know like right. any of that. Right? I think probably like your very casual fan has no idea. No, it's so they go like, to see X Men. They're just like it's the Tony Stark universe. Like, yeah, it's the Deadpool universe. Uh, I can't it's, wait for Captain America to show up and team up with them. It's like, oh, that's not going to happen. But right. <laughs> so I think they they worry about it from that point of view, where yeah. it's like someone releases a bad Fantastic Four, it hurts the whole intellectual property of Fantastic Four in terms of a future TV show appearance in an Avengers movie, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. You haven't seen X-Men Apocalypse yet, right? I have not. You have not. It's, you're not missing a whole lot, but I, I did enjoy it. And I think you told me that like every comic book fan that you Yep, that's, that's why I didn't offer my own review of it. I'm just kind of like, you know, it's being viewed as a flop, but everyone I talk to says they really like it. I'll hold off judgment, of course, until I see it myself. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. But um, one thing I wanted to talk about it was the actual apocalypse character people were shitting all over being like oh he doesn't look anything like apocalypse he doesn't look like he looks stupid i think he looks all right he looks normal i saw a photo online i guess like a meme or whatever of like what a studio with this budget can do with a character and what a fan with a budget of you know whatever a couple hundred dollars can make as like, yeah i'm sorry if you saw that character in a movie you'd fucking say that movie was shit Right. And it is, can it, can, you know, can it do what they needed to do on set? Can they do like, does Oscar Isaac feel like wearing that yeah. big suit for six months? And-, and I don't know. I thought Apocalypse ended up being good. He still got his like growing large at one point. Like he has a mind battle with Professor X. And yeah. He, it's in he, all the trailers. Yeah. And he like grows massive. It's like, and he, like he smushes him with his hand. Yeah. He's like, you still got the massive Apocalypse thing going, but you know, that's not really realistic in the type of, okay, let's talk realistic in a fucking superhero movie. But right. you know what I mean? Like we're trying to, you can only bend so far before people are gonna like okay this is too unreal right right um okay well let's move on let's start talking about um daredevil season two. Oh, oh so good oh it's it's so, so, I, was it's to, juice. so I, was, <laughs> I was trying to sell some i couldn't i can't believe i have to sell someone on it not sell but they hadn't watched it yet i was like he's like i've watched season one i was like seriously i haven't watched season two yet and one thing that i said i was looking up a few weeks ago for like martial arts movies, right? And in all like the martial arts movies websites, they have like top 10 lists. Daredevil season two is like number one right now. Really? On like martial arts things to watch. I could, I totally can see that. So when, cause the original plan for the Netflix shows was to do Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, um, Iron, Iron Fist. Fist, and then Defenders, right? Yeah. And then all Daredevil did so well, they're like, bam, we're going to throw you a season two in there. Mm-hmm. We're going to delay Defenders a bit. We're going to throw in a season two. The original showrunner for season one was like, oh, I think he was committed to other things. Yeah, he actually it was a uh, Drew Goddard. He left to do uh, uh, Sinister Six over at Sony. And then the whole Spider-Man thing happened. So he's kind of Collapsed, in the wind. Right. So they had to hire a new showrunner. And I was so worried at first. I was like, oh, no, new showrunner. Is it going to be the same? Are they going to be able to like keep that feel alive i think they did an even better job man i think they fucking knocked it out of the park yeah daredevil's changed showrunners i think a couple times and it's just been like this seamless transition and it goes to show kind of like the tight ship that marvel is yeah where they can just like the vision for that show doesn't really change and i think even the people who have left like there's been a real talk of the 
the, the singular vision for that show and no one, everyone's on the same page and no one really wants to deviate from it. So it's, it really speaks to how well they can control the product. I think you can tell too when you watch it as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously we got your, a little bit of an impression there yeah, yeah. at the beginning. We know you love it, but you want to give us your impressions I, of it? I really love Daredevil on Netflix. I, I would put the argument forward and you, you would have to debate this a lot, but I would submit to you that it might be the most, the most faithful comic book adaptation ever made. In terms of taking the source material, adapting it faithfully, adapting it entertainingly, mm-hmm. and interesting both with comic book fans and non like this is a universally loved like everyone I know in my office watches Daredevil. Mm-hmm. It is universally loved. I also really like how they didn't just like jump the shark and like throw him in the suit right away. Like you had this like season one is an origin story. Season two is even an origin story, man. Like he doesn't get his uh like his sticks, like his his billy clubs. Yeah, he doesn't get them until the end of well, the, no, like the zipline one where you can like yeah, throw them out. Yeah, like it's like a grappling hook. Yeah, like grappling hook. That's what I was looking for. Um, he doesn't get that until like the end of season two. Right. right. Like you're still progressing this hero. You're not just jumping and giving him everything. Here's this guy that fights crime that's blind. It's like, no, man, give us a story. We're still interested. You're building up amazing characters. Kingpin, man. Kingpin. What a what a revelation. Oh, my Vincent God. D'Onofrio has been in that role. And it's like the, the best villain I think I've seen. He's, he's up there ever, with man. Loki in terms of the best villain that they've made. Yeah. But he has... And it's funny because Loki's way more powerful, but Vincent D'Onofrio brings so much more menace. Like Loki is almost kind of like a fun villain. Like you really. Yeah. I also feel like they really nailed the comic book feel in the second season by having him in there, but he's not the main bad guy. Mm-hmm. Right. But that's cool. That's what comic books are like. You're going to see villains come and go all the time. Yep. Right. Don't kill him off. Put him in jail. He's doing his thing in jail, but he's still running shit. Kingpin works great as a character who's in jail mm-hmm. or like out of the country or like indisposed. He works great as like a behind the scenes messing with our heroes kind yeah of guy. but then when you come face to face with him he's still gonna fuck your shit right. up and he's always in the background he's always trying to get daredevil he's trying yeah. to get back on the streets yeah. that's a great angle you know you mentioned it's the uh, the first season was an origin story something that i really love in both comic books and i'm gonna say just in storytelling is don't like use a thing until you can't use a thing so what i mean by that is if i was to make a spider-man movie and we immediately start the movie and he's been spider-man for 10 years and all these things happen and he gets right into like no 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 you really wring the towel out of he's just a little kid who's starting off or wring the towel out of Matt Murdock. He doesn't even wear this like he's this ninja guy. Tell all yeah. the stories you can tell of that before you put him in the suit. Yeah. Really explore that aspect. It's very hard to go back. Right. When it's like, oh, I lost the suit. Now who am I? No, no, we should have known who you were before you had the suit. Right. right? And and it you just tell the story until you can't tell the story. Well, it's right? a classic Spider-Man. Like, Oh, within the first 20 minutes of the movie, he's bitten and now he's Spider-Man. Right. And he's completely into his... Like, that's kind of the yeah, Sam Raimi movie. Who the fuck is Peter Parker, and, right? Yeah. Right. And he's, he doesn't really struggle with his... He struggles with his powers in, like, a montage, and then it just... He's Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, really explore the character and explore, like, he's young and in high school. And use that until you can't, until you've worn it out, and then put him in college. Yeah. And use that until you can't. Like, that's what Stan Lee did when he wrote, you know, 30 years of Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> just really explore every... He dated, like, four people. It wasn't just yeah, like yeah. Gwen and Mary Jane and the girl from the newspaper, Liz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, explore all those things. Don't be in a rush to get to that like nerve. Like, oh, he's like, yeah, it's a little bit different with movies as opposed to TV shows. You have more time with TV shows, yes. obviously. Um, like we said, I think Daredevil is a great 11 hour or 12. No, what is it? How many? A 12 part miniseries, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's like a 12 part origin, a 12 hour origin story, right? Yeah. That's great. <laughs> and in that vein, I mean, you want to talk about amazing performances. John Bernthal is the Punisher. Yeah. I was going to mention this show has such great casting, like yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio, but yeah, John uh, Bernthal. And it's not fair because every other Punisher has had two hours to get mm-hmm. us on his side. And this Punisher had, I mean, he's not in every episode, but let's conservatively say six hours. Yeah. That's a lot of time to work with the character yep. and really get us 
into the character, yep. but for the, a character that for a casting like an actor who doesn't look anything like the previous Punishers have looked like, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they really went for kind of the same with Daredevil, which I love. And if you've read any of the classic Frank Miller, it's completely appropriate. Daredevil spends most of his show beat up. Yeah, he's usually bruised. He's kind of messed. He's very a human hero. He's always hurt. Yeah, he's always like in pain and kind kind of fatigued and having to get over that. And the they did the same thing with the Punisher, which I love. If you ever read the, like the Garth Ennis Punishers, where they really brought the character back, he's always like he's scarred and kind of beat. Oh, the up. Punisher is always just fucked up, man. Just bruised, black it, eyes. Exactly. Right? Those two human characters, yeah. like the Punisher, to me should be having a fist fight where he's like stabbed in the stomach. Well, and, and that's like, what Daredevil did so well in this season is you see that progression. Like he starts off, you know, pretty normal, maybe like a small bruise or something like that. By the end of that season, man, his face is just like swollen, eyes are closed and stuff. It's like that is. That's Punisher right there, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Punisher by the end is, just looks so messed up, and, and that's how it greatest. needs to be, right? And how yeah. do you carry that over in a TV show? Like, is he gonna bruise up the whole TV show? In his own show, yeah. You yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I th- it's something that a scene that they need to do, and I'm almost certain they will, because you can tell they're very, very kind of faithfully adapting the comics. But at some point, the Punisher needs to be badly shot and go for like black market surgery. Oh like, shit. There's a, yeah. there's a classic scene in yeah. the Garthina's Punisher where he's like riddled with bullets and he has to go to like some drunk back alley doctor to get them extracted. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, are they going to bring back Rosaria Dawson though? Cause that seems to kind of be her role of like healing. Yeah, it's, a good, it's a great uh, point. I feel like he shouldn't be going there all the time though. No. Like maybe have her appear in it once or twice to like help him. But like for the most part, he's be getting healed up somewhere else. Right. I have a feeling that night nurse Rosario Dawson's character yeah. is going to be the Phil Coulson of the defenders in which mm. the series is going to start with her death. And Ooh, because they all know her, that's what brings them all together. Hmm. It's the, like, or she will die at some point and it will be like the unifying factor. Interesting. To why that team yeah. fights such together. a great actress, such a great character as well. that can like just link every show together, would, but Hey, that's the perfect reason. I would pretty much me. watch Rosario Dawson do anything. And not just cause she's hot. Like she just is like the a great phenomenal actress. actress yeah. Just makes every character can do anything realistic. from clerks too, to like Daredevil. Yeah, exactly. right? yeah. Um, Okay, we're talking about all these like great characters. What was your favorite character in the show? In Daredevil? In season two, let's say. Hmm. I'm not talking about the whole show. Let's talk season two, because I think I'm going to surprise you with mine. It would probably be Punisher, if I'm being honest, yeah, okay. just because of how much I was blown away yeah. by him. But yeah, I'd say Punisher. Okay. I would normally say Punisher as well, but we can't be like double Punishering it up. Right. I thought Froggy was a character who I didn't like at all in the first season, and I thought became such a strong character in the second one. Oh my God, is season three going to be amazing? Because now he's working for a real law firm that might come after a Daredevil case. Right. Or something like He's going to be working against Daredevil. Yeah. He's going to be working for people that Daredevil's trying to take down and stuff like that. And they really, yeah, exactly. Because we know he's working for Jessica's lawyer, Mm -hmm. who is kind of a a little bit of a dubious morality. Well, dude, like she was willing to help the purple man and just kind of advance her own career. What if if the law firm starts helping out uh, Kingpin? Or the hand. Or the hand or something, right? Yeah, that would be... Or the kingpin. What if he has to represent the kingpin right? in court after yeah. putting him away? <laughs> so many great... Yeah, you're right. Uh, Froggy has become a fantastic character. Yes, and he really got to stand on his own two feet in this... Uh, like, I always liked him as a character in the show. I thought they did him really funny. Yeah. And he's very much like the funny relief of the show. It's very hard to sell a quirky character right off the bat. Yeah. Like, we first, like who the fuck is this loser that doesn't do anything but make stupid jokes? It's like, no, okay... You know, 12 hours later, you're okay. I get this character, I understand where he's going, right? Yeah, and the relationship with him and Matt felt very genuine, and like it was they really worked on that emotional line, it was really strong. And then when he found out that, well, spoiler alert, but hopefully, you've all seen the show. When he found out at the end of season one that Matt is Daredevil, and in season two, that's a problem that doesn't get resolved. And I was so glad they did that in the show, yeah, because so often the show it's like a scene where it's like, oh, you're Spider Man, and now I'm okay with it, right? Right, go get him, Tiger. It's an open wound. 
till to this point in the show, yeah, where he hasn't quite figured out how he feels about it. Oh, it's it. like broken up their friendship. It's pretty much ruined their friendship, right? Yeah. yeah. I love that. What a great, like, just, again, way to tell a big story. Don't give me a scene. Give me a, a season and a half of that plot line. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you want to see next from this? Going to season three, what do you want to see next? It's, just, it's one word. Bullseye. Oh, fuck, man. You got mine, too. You got it. You got it. You have to bring in you, Bullseye. You have to do Bullseye, and you've set it up perfectly by the assassination of the Irish mob. Bullseye has been sent from Ireland to come in there and fuck New York up, man. Like Get the people that took out. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. You bring him in; he's some foreign assassin. It's gonna be. It'd be interesting to see how they differentiate the character because you have Hawkeye, who's kind of like the, but he's really just a one weapon dude. Yeah, he's not like the perfect accuracy kind yeah. of guy. And I would, and personally, I would like to see something exactly the opposite of what Colin Farrell did in the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie, yeah. where he was this really loud, funny, off the wall, constantly talking character. Mm-hmm. Do a bullseye that's like quiet focused psychopath yeah and isn't making any one-liners and it's just like the perfect assassin mm-hmm. he kills anyone he is emotionless completely emotionless he is he has no credo it's just about the money and the reputation yeah and have him be this really quiet focused ball of energy except when he pulls out those guns yeah and he's tearing shit up yeah um i was wondering how they're gonna do like his outfit because they like to keep very true to the comics with the outfits and you think like, Oh, that's going to end up looking stupid. I mean, Punisher is pretty easy to do. It doesn't look stupid. It's just like a wearing body armor with a skull on them. Right. Daredevil. It's not that crazy of a costume. Bullseye is kind of a strange costume, man. And I, they fucked it up big time with Colin Farrell. I got a fucking bullseye tat, like scarred into my head. And then otherwise don't look anything like, yeah, I don't have something to show you now, but, um, if people want to look online while they're listening, there's a character is a wrestler in Lucha Underground named Killshot who has like a Lucha mask, but it's like black and it's, he's basically like a war veteran, right? And it's like black and like lead, like body armor type. And on the forehead has like a bullseye, like engraved into it, much like, much like the scarring on Colin Farrell, but into like a mask instead. And the fact that he's wearing a mask, like his character wears a mask, mm-hmm. right? And I think it works. Do I something think, similar. I think knowing the way that Daredevil has been written, where we've seen this with Daredevil and the Punisher. We're going to meet Bullseye and he's probably just going to be wearing like body armor and fatigues. And then by the last episode, he will be in the costume that we know. Of him. Yeah, yeah. He'll get like a head injury or something and he put on the helmet and it's like, oh shit, that's, that's the mask. Yeah. And now he's, and now it's like, or maybe at first he doesn't go by Bullseye. He just goes by his real name. Yeah. But I was like, no, I'm Bullseye. Like he will transition. So that by, we, by the time we get to episode 12, it's the comic book character. And he has know. to be a hard fight and you can't kill him. He has to be a match for Daredevil. Like he has to be Daredevil's like opposite. Yeah. Like a guy he has. Much like Nobu has been as well, right? Because they've, Nobu- really, they've really pumped up Nobu to be the like the big bad of the show. Yeah. Well, he's like kind of like the leader of the hand. Not the leader of the hand, but he's fucking right up there. He's right up there. Yeah. And he, and, and especially they pumped him up, speaking of Bullseye, because they gave him killing Electra. Yeah. Which was what Bullseye did in the comics traditionally. And it's yeah. a huge turning point for Daredevil. Mm-hmm. So there, you're right. They're, but I think they're pumping him up because I'm almost certain the plot of Defenders will be all of them versus the Hand. Yeah, probably, yeah. They've mentioned it. They've planted all those seeds. The Hand is planting some sort of apocalyptic event. All our heroes are going to fight them. Mm -hmm. And Nobu will be like the face of whatever the bad plot is. So speaking of like how these characters are going to be used in the future in like the Defenders, how do you think they're going to be used in Infinity War? Oh, that's a great question. Because they're talking about, like, haven't they said there's already, like, 60-something heroes in there or something like that? Yeah. Like, a crazy number of heroes crazy. are just going to be showing up. Are we just going to see them in the background fighting? Or well, do you think they're going to have, like, 
like close up fight scenes and stuff like that. What Marvel is really good at is including a character who isn't doesn't factor into the whole plot but gets a scene. So I would imagine we'll get something like we got of the Ant Man scene in Civil War, where he, like yeah. Daredevil will show up for a part where they need to sneak into somewhere, yeah. and he'll sneak in and he'll break some necks, maybe have a line or two ass. or something like that, right? And then he's and then he's gone. Yeah. Or Jessica Jones will show up with Luke and. You know, like there's a way you figure them into a scene or two yeah. without because I can't really see Daredevil fighting Thanos. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like what's he gonna do? Unless you're gonna like, kill punch? a character, right? Yeah, but why kill Daredevil? No, you it's such a yeah. classic. Like, yeah. so I think that's how you do it. You have them show up as and have a great scene or two, or like think of the creative pairings you could do. Imagine like a like a Rocket Raccoon Punisher team up. Like, yeah, <laughs> and they're killing aliens. Like, it, like it, just a scene, like just real a scene, fast. Yeah, and just then Punisher's gone. Such a quick crossover that people love for. For forever afterwards, not, right? I, now that I think about it, that might be a little too goofy for like Affinity Wars. Would probably be like this big, heavy, dark, like end yeah. Of the but movie. even you know, Dare, you have Daredevil or something like that kicking some ass, yeah. and then in over his shoulder comes you know Rocket Raccoon on Groot's shoulder to like take over them now, almost like a cinematic one shot kind of carrying a fight scene, right? Like have right. that type of crossover. There's no actual interaction, but there's they're in the same shot. The, the speaking of which, just quickly, the one team up we need between Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy is the Hulk and Groot. Because yeah, there needs to be a scene where the Hulk turns to Groot and goes, I am Hulk. And the Groot's, and Groot's like, I am Groot. Yeah. And they just look at each other, like kind of not really getting it. Like, and then just kick some serious Yeah, ass, and then just yeah. go back to beating other people up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So this whole like Netflix TV show thing, right? Watch Daredevil. Knew I was going to like Daredevil. Like I wasn't worried about it at all. Then I heard like the other titles. I'm like, oh man, I love Iron Fist. Can't wait for that shit, right? But then I saw like Jessica Jones and I'm like interested in, oh, how are they going to do this? Am I going to like it or not? I'm not kind of worried about it. Watch it. Phenomenal. Yet you saw obviously at the end of Daredevil season two, you see like the trailer for Luke Cage. Yes. And I don't know. It seemed a little cheesy. Yeah. It, it seems like Marvel is going for a full exploitation TV show. I hope so. Which I'm actually completely yeah. for. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, I say like, oh, I feel a little worried about it. Well, sorry. I was worried about Daredevil season two and- I look like an idiot. I was worried about Jessica Jones. I look like an idiot. Right. Like I just have to go blind faith in these things and just Luke Cage is going to be awesome. Right. The, but do, by doing that, am I disappointed? It's, it's possible. I mean, the problem when you tackle a character like Luke Cage, unlike Jessica Jones, where the, the struggle is, well, one, no one knows who that is. It's yeah. not even a superhero name. It's just like a name. Yeah. Um, and it deals well, with power this, man is his actual name, isn't it? Yeah. But they're, yeah. In the comics. And I guess hers would be jewel, yeah. but they're going kind of more gritty. Like he's called Luke. They yeah. never call him power man. I don't think they're going to call him power. No, man. Just it's it, pretty lame. It's name. a pretty lame name. <laughs> like he's better as Luke Cage. Yeah. Um, the problem with Luke versus someone like Jessica Jones, Jessica Jones is subject matter. Like it's a very dark story. It's a very, it's a very, well, she's a story. super interesting character as well. Super interesting character. And I, I'm really glad they did that well and really kind of told the story of, kind of what a story of like sexual assault and, yeah, yeah. and like that angle of it. Right. It's such a great thing to tackle. Alcoholism. Right. Right. Alcoholism, victimhood, overcoming victimhood, overcoming like coercion and the control like that your attacker has on you. Like I love that they tackle that stuff. Luke's problem is that he's a guy who's invulnerable. So yeah. you need to establish very re- quick, very quickly a reason for me to feel worried about him in fights. Okay. I hadn't thought of this before. Cause I was thinking about that too. When he's hit with a bullet, the bullet isn't like absorbed and drops down. It ricochets off. Yeah. Or at least it looks like it. He needs to have a, like when he first gets his powers and first gets into like a fight, someone needs to be injured by him getting hit by a bullet. Someone that like, maybe not like a teammate, but, or maybe if he was like a cop or something like that, I heard of rumors of like his part. Oh no. Cause he has a detective agency with, um, 
with Iron Fist. Right? Yeah, Heroes for Hire. But that'll probably happen later. They'll probably meet up and open it up. Yeah. Um, someone has to be injured by his like invulnerability so that he has to learn how to use it better. I have to learn how to block shots. I can't just take shots. Right. Right. Because that's his role. He's the tank, man. He's blocking He's all the shots. the right? true tank. He yeah. just eats bullets and you basically can't hurt. Like, if you're really strong, you can hurt him. Yeah. But if you're just a normal guy, you're you're not touching him. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how they tackle that. And it's going to be interesting to see like I wonder what kind of show it is cuz you're not going to have the cool kung fu of Daredevil. And I don't think you're going to have the kind of darker you know like subject matter driven stories of Jessica Jones. Yeah. So I wonder what they're going to tackle. They're going to tackle like I think it's going to be very cop drama, very Shaft-esque. Yep. So it's going to be him kicking down doors, taking law into his own hands and stuff right. like that. And is there going to be a bit of a socioeconomic aspect of it because he's a, you know, like a, he's black, a black guy, dude, yeah. lives in Harlem, went It'd to prison in the comics? Go for it, man. Go for it. Do you right? tackle that especially especially with what's happening today, mm-hmm. right? Like that's a huge like a huge like talking point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Marvel's had success Writing to that in the past, you look at uh, Winter Soldier. That speaks to our fear of sur- government surveillance yeah. and government overreach. So I think they could they could do that, you know, without get, being preachy, which they've proven they can do. Yeah, and just be topical. And I think that's the way you do, Luke Cage. Yeah, man. Um, all right, man. Let's hit the uh, the big one, Captain America three Civil War. Uh, if you, it almost feels wrong to call it Captain, like it's just Civil War. Yeah, it's just point. Civil War. Yeah, because but even like he is the main character. But yeah. I, I forget that it's a Captain America movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's just Civil War, and it's. Look, I'll put our argument forward to you that I've been asking a couple people. Yeah. I would suggest you could make the argument that the Captain America movies are the greatest trilogy of action movies ever made. Yeah. Uh, trilogy of action movies. Forget is, even comic is, movies. Yeah. Action, action movies. movies. That's interesting. Die Hard? <laughs> okay. Die Hard's a great example. And I think Die Hard 1 probably is better than any of the Cap movies. Yeah. In terms of just, cla- it's just a classic film. But if we're going to, are we talking about just the first three? The first three diehards. Uh, well, you're talking about a trilogy, right? Okay, so just the first three diehards. Great movies. I yeah. watch any of those movies, right? They're all fun. But what Captain America does is it's three movies yeah. starring a hero that if I go back in time 15 years, everyone would tell me could not work in a movie. Yeah. A guy who wears the American flag and it's called Captain America and it's just a jolly good dude who does yeah. the right thing. All three movies are in completely different tone. The first one is a 40s callback, a very golden age, nostalgia, yeah. science fiction thing. The second one is a Tom Clancy 70s spy thriller. The third one is a complete team-up movie. The only thing that's shared between them is that same hero that doesn't work, and yet somehow every movie is good. Every movie builds on the themes of the other ones. There's there's plot lines that run through all three that are essential to the story. No other trilogy has done that. Maybe not even Star Wars as successfully as this movie. Mm-hmm. I love that point, by the way. I knew that's where you are going as well. Um, Captain America is... You look at me like, ah, it's a cheesy character, right? No, Captain America has something. It's not about America. It's about pride. It's about doing what's right. That like, as much as we, the society that we are and the type of people that we are, there's still a part of us that everyone loves. Everyone loves seeing him holding that shield that represents his country. Doesn't have to be your country. Imagine him holding the, okay, there's a Canadian podcast. Imagine him holding the Canadian flag on his shield and he's kicking down that door and he's protecting your country he's fighting for you right that's what you would that's what you feel you feel that pride you feel that you want to defend you want to do right for your country right mm-hmm. um and he's also like he's not like a sissy bad guy i've always said captain america is the guy that goes in there and kicks a guy in the face yeah. right he's gonna he fucking has a gun man and yeah. he shoots people 
right? Again, now, going how many back times to ultimates, show it, I mean, right? that the character that we see now is very heavily based on ultimates where they gave him, he was a lot more badass and willing to break a neck and beat people off. Yeah. And yeah. Very like an aggressive martial arts. Um, character. There's a scene in the ultimates on the comic book where, because Ant-Man obviously is like, uh, he abuses his wife. He beats her up. Right. Mm-hmm. And when Captain America finds out about this, man, he lays such a vicious beat, like Punisher style beat down. It's one of the best. If, if no one's ever read it, it's um, Ultimates Volume 1, I believe. I think it's the first one, yeah. And it's one of the best superhero fights that's ever been done in a comic. Yeah. The stakes are hard nil. There are basically no stakes. Cap is tracked down. They're using their superpowers to beat the shit out of each other because Because of a domestic pissed, dispute. Yeah. And Cap has tracked down Ant-Man who just beat his wife in a bar and basically beats the crap out of him. And it's just so glorious. I can't even put it into words. It's just the greatest Cap moment <laughs> where he just, because Ant-Man obviously grows huge. He becomes giant man naked because he's not wearing, like he's just in his civilian clothes. And Cap just puts a justified beating on him. And it's just the greatest thing. <laughs> it's honestly, it's in the top five yeah. of superhero It's fights. what, when you read in the paper about someone that beat up his wife and oh, he's going to go to jail for how many months and he's going to get out early. And you're like, that man needs some fucking justice. That's the justice that Captain America lays down that you want to lay down. And I think something else that the movies have really done well about Cap, because you mentioned that he's just like a, a symbol of pride and that he doesn't have to be America. It can be any country, but the great duality of Cap and it's something that Stan Lee recognized in the character because Stan didn't invent Captain America mm-hmm. of all the Avengers. Like Stan, well, I guess Stan didn't invent Thor either, but he, Captain America was invented by someone else as just like a patriot, like, you know, to sell war bonds in World War II. Mm-hmm. What Stan realized, Stan unfroze Captain America. Stan brought him out of an iceberg and said, at the time it was a 40s character looking at the 60s and Woodstock and the hippies and Vietnam and kind of looking confused. What makes Captain America great is he's sad. Mm-hmm. There's a real sadness to Captain America. Yeah. Captain America is the guy who wears the shield on his flag, uh, the flag on his shield. He just wants his country to be amazing. Yeah, and he has this like, and he's, everyone looks to him as a symbol and he's the guy who goes home and doesn't understand technology and cries at old photos of his war buddies and feels like he's out of time. Like the confusion of that echoes the confusion of America mm-hmm. because it's America how it sees itself and then it's America, oh, I'm fearful of the government. I don't understand technology. I miss the good old days. That's what the, he symbolizes this incredible duality that is America. People also get confused in the fact that, oh, Captain America, oh, he's he fights for the government. He's, the, he's, he's America's... Uh, soldier. Well, he is America's soldier. He's not the government's soldier. In the comic books all the time, he doesn't agree with what the government's doing. Freak, frequently goes uh, rogue. Civil War is based on that. Right. Right? He's not a lackey. He's like a servant of, you know, he believes he stands for the ideal of America, not the actual policy or government of America. But, and yeah, and like, and that really was just made clear over the course of his movies. And you couldn't have, if you had just brought Cap in and unfroze him in Avengers with no introduction, you would not have had the incredible pathos that the character has because you know we got to hang out with him in the 40s Bucky got a ton of screen time yeah that entire plot line through the three movies is fantastic because yeah. we got to know Bucky back then you have a whole other character right if Chris Evans ever stops playing doesn't want to be Captain America anymore which judging from what I've seen he wants to play Captain America until he fucking dies why wouldn't you yeah but um yeah he's been like oh, I want to get in on the Spider-Man movies and everything but if he ever decided to stop man Winter Soldier can cover for US Agent or yep. something like that right you have a totally other character that can take over you could also do Falcon as Captain America I'm not a huge they went that way in the comics just recently I'm yeah. not a huge fan of that no but it's a black Captain America but it's a black Captain America and that's a progress that's a, that's that's a, a good- recast without recasting yep. right and it's a great statement yeah. and it's a great like you know the, someone has to inherit the mantle maybe he's more he's more of the idealism of Cap yeah. just I don't believe Sam Wilson could, he doesn't could kick whoop as much an ass, ass yeah. like Cap does. He's just a normal guy. But um, but going back to Civil War, yep. Civil War, really strong. I came out of that thinking it was the best Marvel movie ever. 
I've pulled back a little from that. I'm not sure it's the best ever, but it is it's incredibly right up there, man. strong. It does not stop. It just it's incredibly strong. And the balancing act it pulls off, it shows how I really feel Marvel Studios, and it's kind of unfair because they get to make the comics, but they're so far ahead of every other studio in terms of telling a huge story with so many characters and giving every person their time. Everyone in that movie, just like in Avengers, gets a moment to look cool. Yeah. Well, I think that um, we talk about like building up and crossovers and stuff like that. I think this is the first movie we're able to see. Like like you said, we both went and saw Civil War and afterwards, like, that's the best Marvel movie ever. And I, it was really, really good. And mm-hmm. it might be, but there are other movies that are equally it's up there. as good as that one. Um, and you're able to do this balancing, balancing act, which ends up being an amazing movie. Because you could see all these people doing cool things, but that's only because you had all these movies before, where you had an Ant Man. Where, like, I'm sorry, but if there was no Ant Man movie, you'd be like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" He wouldn't Absolutely. get any screen time, right? Absolutely. It changes that from a who's that cameo. It's like, oh, hey, it's Ant Man. It's and Paul having Rudd. all these small things allow you to introduce even more characters. New characters, Black Panther, mm-hmm. right? Scarlet Witch gets a few cool scenes in there as well, right? Every character gets a few cool scenes that you didn't have. Scarlet Witch doesn't have her own movie. Yep. Right. She hasn't had. Well, that we'll get much to that later because that's a, that's one of Marvel's missteps. They got to address that. Scarlett Johansson could star in anything, and it would print oh, money. Scarlett. Uh, are you talking about Black Widow? Black Widow. Yeah. yeah, yeah Why yeah. hasn't Black Widow gotten her own movie? Jason Bourne starring Scarlett Johansson. I'd watch that right now. Yeah. Why the hell? Like, make that right now. You're gonna make out two hundred million dollars. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I, did you see Lucy? I I did not actually. No, I didn't like it. I turned it off. <laughs> yeah. It, the movie was pretty much everyone I've talked to didn't like it, and it yeah. made a ton of money. Scarlett no, Johansson is. Guaranteed money at the box office. I don't know why they haven't cast her in a yeah, yeah. Scarlet well, I mean, Black Widow movie. They try and throw her in as many movies as they can, right? Yeah, and I guess maybe they feel like it works better that way. But anyway, we'll get to that later because that's looking ahead. Yeah. Um, but this movie, we talk about like how much action, and how nonstop it is. This movie actually had like some good storyline too. Like talked about some good hard points. Absolutely. I've said it before, and you can't do it now because Civil War ends. If spoilers for those who haven't seen it, but and this is something I really loved about the movie. In fact, I'm gonna, let's focus on this for a minute because I loved this about. Civil War. And it was my pitch to people. If you're not a comic book fan, here's my pitch to you. The end of this movie features no stakes. The world isn't ending. There's no terrorists. Aliens aren't invading. Yeah. If people stop fighting, nothing would happen. Nothing happened. The you stakes, didn't destroy any cities. You right. Didn't, the yeah. stakes are entirely emotional. Yeah. It is Cap and Iron Man and the end of their friendship in a bitter fight. Yeah. Now, Joss Whedon, he didn't do this movie. No. But he did the, the last two. Or he did the, the two, two Avengers. Avengers, right? He has come out and said, you know, I was... Not tired, but this movie, like I did the first one, I did the action that everyone wanted. I was doing my movie for the second one, right? Or and he I tried was, to, he was a little frustrated. He, he tried, it was frustrating because the studio didn't want to do it, right? Yeah. Now, after just get another Avengers movie out, man, we need more cool things. We need to develop these characters more without doing, like, I don't know. Yeah, Avengers 2 had some cool character development, but really, how much? Yeah, no, it really, it, I felt like it, place. I felt like it tried to, but it didn't fully no, get that nothing whole, really like no, nothing was advanced or accelerated yeah right is this movie a slap in the face of josh whedon being like yo we'll make a proper like a movie that's emotional and has further character development when we want to do it you make the movie you're a great director you make the movie that we tell you to make i think i, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's a slap in the face but it's an apology for certain aspects of age of ultron yeah. it's an apology it it's and it fix and it's something Marvel is so good at is it fixes the problems of Age of Ultron. Whereas I came out of Age of Ultron, it was a good movie, but there, I had some issues with it. And this and now you've watched it, it's like oh, okay, I have no issues with it. The same way I had a lot of issues with the first Cap. Yeah. The first time I saw it, I'm like wow they 
they really like they planted a lot of seeds like this whole hydra thing why can't they just fight the nazis why did they make it hydra mm-hmm. like aren't nazis good enough they have to fight super nazis and like, the whole bucky thing you fall off the train it's like okay and i have all those complaints were rendered null yeah. by the rest of them oh okay they're just planting these seeds like yeah, hydra yeah. comes back they have bucky a plan right yeah now that movie looks great yeah. it looks like it's the setting everything up where's red skull man uh, probably never coming back because Hugo Weaving hated playing that character. Oh, really? They recast him, but the recast them with just the skull. Don't have them have a face on. Right. I just anyone can be Red Skull. He has a German accent. Yeah. He has a Red Skull. Like, <laughs> anyone I can, do can a play German. Red Skull. Just voice me over the German. There you go. And he is technically still alive. He fell into. That's the what portal. I mean, right? And that's the whole like keep bringing back bad guys. Don't kill off bad guys, man. Keep that keep that stash deep. I'll, I'll tell you exactly where Red Skull is. Red Skull knows a bit about the Tesseract because in Cap, he was controlling. He actually found it. Yeah. So his arcane knowledge is pretty strong. Yeah. He's drifting through the ether. He gave himself the super soldier serum too. So he was as strong as Cap when they were fighting. Yeah. The Red Skull is one of the lackeys of Thanos. Thanos Ooh. has found him. Yeah, that'd be cool. And has upgraded him. That'd be sick. He's like, Comes back in he has War, mystical yeah. like enhancements now. He's got gems and like a special armor. Yeah. Like, and it looks kind of Nazi, let's say, even yeah, it's yeah, black. Yeah. And he is now like a henchman along with Loki of Thanos. Yeah. Right on. Cool. Um, who's your favorite character, man? In Civil War? Yep. Wow. That's, uh, okay. Again, I'm going to take the easy choice because there's a ton of, there's a ton of possible, like I can go so many ways with this, but man, Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man, when they, when that Queen's title card came up, like I just felt like I was 12 again. I was like, oh yes. And it's so weird because like, we haven't suffered for Spider-Man on the big screen. We have seen, in oh, fact, we've tons of Spider-Man, of yeah. Spider-Man on the yeah. big screen. It's not like, oh, yeah. I feel like we've seen more Spider-Man than anything else. Right. But it's that first moment, and they give it to you right away, what you want. What you want is not Spidey spinning around the city fighting. I've yeah. seen that. What I want is Peter Parker talking to Tony Stark. Yeah. I haven't seen that. Yeah. And they just give it to you right away. Here's Tony. Here's Peter. And they're having, that whole conversation comes at such a key moment in the movie. The movie is heavy. The movie is a downer. Yeah. It is heading in. And then all of a sudden, we meet Spider-Man, and they just a breath is blown into the whole thing and it's just funny, incredible, yeah. rat-a-tat dialogue. It's just, there's a great scene, Tom Holland, who plays the new Marvel Spider-Man, yeah. has a great line and it's something we've touched on because our frustration as fans, both of us, is that every time they, when they rebooted Spider-Man and they did the Sam Raimi and then they rebooted it, uh, Andrew Garfield, they always had to redo the Uncle Ben origin story. Yeah. Same with Batman. In the most recent Batman v Superman, we got the origin story yeah. again. Is there anyone on the planet who doesn't know that Bruce Wayne's parents were shot in an alley and he became Batman. But you got to show it every fucking time. We got to show it every movie. Yeah. This movie, we had never given an origin story for Spider-Man. Yeah. But the character says one of the most beautiful lines. I've, like, it is up there with, with great power comes great responsibility. Marvel has now made a new version. Yeah. When Tony asks Peter, you know, why do you, why are you Spider-Man? And he kind of mentions Uncle Ben without mentioning it. He goes, you know, when he you, almost, he like pauses for a second, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah. And he's trying to think of how to like convey it to him. Cause, this, Cause you know, this guy doesn't know who Uncle Ben is. Yeah. He's like, when you can do the things that I can do and you don't and bad things happen, it's your fault. Yeah. That's one of the most beautiful statements Spider-Man's ever said. Yeah. And it's just like, yes, they got, the, like, I was just so relieved in that moment. Like, we're not going to get Uncle Ben. We're not going to get the big teary flashback to like, you're not my real dad. And, <laughs> no, here's this great line that will inspire you forever. Like, no, no, no. That's it. Yeah. Just the pain and that incredible mission statement. I love Spider-Man. He was my favorite character. Absolutely. Right on, man. I was... Well, I mean, it's so it's easy for me to take that Ooh, easy way. Captain America. Yeah, Captain America, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and he's great in this movie. He's he's absolutely fantastic. But I do like the the combo Captain America Winter Soldier. That scene when they're both just teaming up against Iron Man, it's pretty badass, man. I love that fight oh, scene. So good. I loved it. It reminded me of the if anyone hasn't seen it, a uh, great martial arts action movie called The Raid. Yeah. Ends with a fight scene that's two on one. Yeah. Against this villain 
and then it's not quite the same because there's no real villain in the captain in the Civil War fight. Yeah, yeah. But it's a two on one where the two heroes fighting him at once. It takes them both, and they can barely like yeah. Both of them fighting, it can barely overcome him, just barely. Same thing with this fight. It felt so intense, and like Iron Man could beat other guy one on one, but like both of them together are just a little too much for him, and maybe they wear him down. And oh, I loved it. Okay, so we're gonna talk fave moments. I've let you had a bunch of these. All right, and you're not stealing mine again. All right, <laughs> you go first. <laughs> So we're sitting in the theater and it's the fight at the airport, right? <laughs> shaking his head. It's a fight at the airport. They're all doing their thing. And like being a huge Ultimates fan, I actually, I like characters that have like so much depth to them. Like I'm like Quicksilver is like one of my favorite characters, just not because of like his powers, which I'm a huge like super speed fan as well, but because of like the other things like this incest maybe right? His like Magneto's his father has to live up to his father's expectations, right? Ant-Man is the same type of character where he has like, he, they don't address it in the comic. Well, in the, in the um, movie, they change it up a little bit. You know, he's fighting for his kids. He's trying to clean up his act a little bit and stuff like that, right? He has that type of character development. They don't have the beating up your wife stuff, but I've always been a huge Ant-Man fan. But Giant-Man is also awesome. That's an also, that's another part, man. He doesn't just shrink, he gets big. And they're fighting, and he mentioned that he had been practicing something. In the, I look over at Elton because we both know it's about to happen. And bam, whoa, they make him big. And they did it so well too, man, where you can see like the, the shadow of him like getting like the him expanding bigger and bigger. And then he just fucks some shit up for a little bit, man. Everything about that scene was so well done. But you're right. It, like that was a real moment where like we just turned into each other. And we're like, oh, it's going to be giant man. Yeah. And we, we, like, I cheered when that happened. The theater cheered. People who had never even, like, there were people there who never even heard of Giant Man. They're like, what? It just was played for such a great moment. And there's so much to love about it. One thing I love, and it's a throwaway moment in that scene. Two things, actually. First is when, so Giant Man's, he grows big. We see Paul Rudd's eyes, and he has a look of, like, holy shit. (laughs) And he's like, oh. And then Spider-Man actually says, holy shit. Yeah. I've been waiting my whole life to hear Spider-Man swear because I'm sorry if you're 16 years old and you live you're in Queens yeah. you swear yeah. so when Spider-Man's like holy shit everything about that was yeah. just oh it's just perfect what when, he, when he shrinks jumps inside Iron Man this is your conscience <laughs> yeah and the fact that they made Ant-Man arguably the coolest character in that fight scene yeah. he got the most laughs between um, between you know like him and Spider-Man him Spider-Man, and Spider-Man was talking trash the whole time right yeah, yeah. Spider-Man maybe was came off the best yeah but Ant-Man had so many great moments like when him and Cap was like, throw this at this and they throw the truck and it gets big and blows up and he's yeah. like, oh shit, I thought it was a water truck. Like, <laughs> Ant-Man came off really cool yeah. and had so many great funny oh, moments. They, they, they pulled him off like exactly how he needed to play in that movie. Yeah. Uh, you got a favorite scene? Um, well, I mean, obviously that's that's the winning scene. <sighs> favorite scene? I'm actually going to go with the fight scene at the end. Yeah. Which I like That more, was going to be my other choice. Which yeah. I like more than the airport fight scene is a great like everyone has their moment. If you are a Marvel comics fan, how are you not just like, like drooling at that whole scene? It was just so great, but they were kind of pulling their punches. It wasn't a vicious fight. It yeah. was kind of like neither side wanted to kill each other. They just wanted to immobilize each yeah. other when, well, when, yeah, but, Iron Man wanted to kill winter soldier. A black Panther wanted to kill winter soldier. Iron Man just wanted to arrest cap. I guess no, the, because because Winter Soldier killed his parents. No, he I was open. I mean, in the airport. Oh, fight. in the airport. The okay. airport fight. They're all pulling their punches. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. They just want to mobilize each other. They don't. There's a, there's a great thing. They're even uncertain. Like at every stage, like are we still okay? We're doing this. We're yeah, still fighting. Yeah. When at the end scene, when Iron Man is fighting Cap and Winter Soldier, they're not pulling punches anymore. Yeah. This is a vicious fight. Yeah. Like Iron Man wants to kill somebody. Yeah. 
I get the pre- impression that Bucky wants to kill Iron Man just out of self-defense. He's not holding back either. I think it's part of one. who he is as well. Right. Right. Like, and he doesn't know fucking Tony Stark. He's not a friend of mine. Yeah. He's just this dude trying to kill well, me. Well, it's like, remember when Hawkeye jumps down? He's like, oh, we haven't met. I'm Hawkeye. Yeah, and yeah. Black Panther's like, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually fighting here. Right. You might be holding back your punches, but I'm not. Yeah. Right? And that, and the intensity that that last fight scene had was so great. Like, I remember my sister texted me when she was, uh, she saw it. And she said she cried in that scene before I went to go see it. Yeah. And then afterwards, I didn't cry, but I was like, wow. Like, it is a mo- Like, if you're a little kid, if you're eight years old, yeah. and you're going, you know, you wear your Avengers shirt, you love your movies, and you yeah. dress up with all your friends, that must have been a tough scene. And these to guys are beating the shit yeah. out of each and other. It, they don't shake hands and be friends at the end. Like, yeah. they are, like, Iron Man, it ends with Iron Man bitterly spitting, like, drop that shield. You don't deserve it. Fuck, like, covered in blood. Yeah. And it's this incredible, you know, Winter Soldier's arm has been blown off. Yeah. Like, it ends on such an impact. I was so surprised they went that way and yet, and so glad. So impressed. Yeah. Right? Um, okay. Well, we mentioned him, Spider-Man. So Spider-Man's now going to be in this universe mm-hmm. and we're probably going to have crossovers the other way. Yep. What does this mean? What do you think is happening? Well, the first big news, I don't know if you're aware, but Robert Downey Jr. was cast in Spider-Man Homecoming. I've heard. Yeah. And it's in a major role. It's not a camera. Oh, it's a major, it's a major role, role too, eh? Like, okay, I didn't know that. It's going to be a, yeah. like a supporting character. Right on. So right away, like the second I heard that, the plot of this movie falls into place. Yeah. Here's how it works. Spider-Man has now gotten his suit for the first time. He's a very new Spider-Man. Yeah. He's only been it for a couple months. Tony is going to kind of train him in his powers. Yeah. Because my one, my one big beef with Spider-Man in this movie, my only beef, is that he didn't seem to have a spider sense. Yeah. Like he loses the fight when Ant-Man accidentally whacks him. He has kind of a little one. Like he knows someone throws at something from behind. Right. Yeah. But he gets caught by surprise a couple of times, yeah. which I didn't like. He's still new, right? Exactly. Yeah. So that's how you that's how you deal with it. You say, Tony's going to train him and you have a sense. You just are, you know, you're not trained to use it. Yeah. You're not trained to use your webs properly. You only saw him do the really one. He just shot webs at people. He didn't yeah. use like shields or balls put on his fists. So let's have Tony train Spider-Man. Tony's like his superhero mentor. Aunt May is like his personal mentor. Hmm. And we spend the first third half of the movie. He's in high school. He's getting better at his powers. Hmm. Things are going great. And then someone kidnaps Tony Stark. Oh, shit. Son. Tony Stark is in danger. Well, I heard Vulture is the bad guy in the movie. I think it is. And I heard it's going to be Michael Keaton who might play him. Ooh, what? Birdman is going to be the bad guy. <laughs> Birdman. So Iron Man is kidnapped. Now Peter Parker has to save the day. You tied into the homecoming dance. So he's got this whole relationship drama. Anyone who's read Spider-Man knows high school relationship yep. drama is the core of the character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's maybe Gwen Stacy or Mary Jane, he's got to go to the dance. He doesn't know, but he has to swing out and save. And it's the moment Spider-Man arrives as a hero in Marvel. He I don't saves think, I Iron don't, Man's life. Yeah. I don't think you can do Gwen Stacy anymore. No, I don't think Stick so Stick with the fact, like you don't have to start fresh. It, Gwen Stacy's dead. You think he sh- she should be dead already? No, no, just don't mention her. Oh, she okay. shouldn't, she shouldn't ever come into the series. She's been, you don't have to, restart it so much as just like don't do what's already been done or at least give it a breathing period because we just came off of Gwen Stacy like give it let's see there's a t- lot of other there's a lot of other women in the in the Spider-Man universe I'm, I'm like Liz Liz oh god again there is a Liz in there somewhere I'm yeah sure. we're gonna get we're gonna get skinned alive by Marvel fans I can't like Liz <laughs> Roberts or something anyway you could do another Mary Jane if you wanted to you could even invent a new character you could do Maybe invent another teenage superhero that he's kind of got a thing with. Maybe Black Cat. Maybe yeah. we do a Black Cat. Oh, Black Cat would be good. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I think that'd be a great way to go. But I think that also you build more more characters, more superheroes, right? Right. And I think that's really like. And then the movie just writes itself. He saves Tony Stark, gains legitimacy as a superhero, arrives just in time to take the date to the homecoming. Roll credits. Spider Man's back. Yeah. There you go. That's maybe you have Captain America even show up too. Because what the hell? Let's have. Well, let's have I was Cap. gonna say. Do you think there's gonna be any other appearances in there? I don't know, man. I don't know either. I don't. I don't. Don't do. 
Don't do, don't too, do too much. It's a Spider-Man movie, man. Yeah. Keep and it the focus has to be on him. Well, look, like the Thor in the next Thor movie, there's only one other person in it. Well, okay, maybe Loki, but like Loki's a Thor character. But and like, Hulk. Hulk. Right? Yeah. There's only one character in it. I don't think there's going to be any other characters coming in, and that's how it should be. I doubt they it. They each have their own movies. That's cool. You want to bring in one or two characters here or there? All right, fine. Um, all right, man. Well, so all these movies up to now and then in the future are all like phase three. Right, so I think coming up we have what Guardians of the Galaxy two. Uh, we have Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, and that comes out really soon. Too, that comes out, uh, yeah, in August. In August, there you go. Which also like Cumberbatch. Kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of worried about it a little bit. Like, how do you do a Doctor Strange movie? But you know, blind faith, man. Yeah, it. it you see the trailers. It looks very trippy. Yeah, and like you're like okay, but again, yeah, you just got to trust it. Um, Punisher's getting his own TV show, mm-hmm. right? Which should be pretty damn awesome and yep. then we also got like the the next two avenger movies mm-hmm. that are gonna be coming out two parts i'm not a big fan of that it i think it's the only way to do it though like i guess so it's, I guess as so. long as they're so, both well directed i just i hate um two-part movies are all right like telling the same story but don't leave me with a cliffhanger man it's definitely gonna leave you with a cliffhanger. <sighs> but luckily for you like i just wrote spider-man homecoming here's how you do the cliffhanger so you have tony stark die in, in Infinity Wars Part 1, because you want to kill a character, yeah. you kill Tony Stark. He's the most well-known character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. He dies. He dies heroically. He dies saving Captain America. Yeah. They have a touching scene where he, he like, you're just tear, like, I'm so sorry. Uh, he dies. Yeah. Cap, later on, is it going through Tony's place? All of a sudden, the lights come on. Boom. Tony Stark has uploaded his brain into a Jarvis-like AI. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. can appear in these movies for the next 20 years. Yeah, he doesn't have to like, show up. He doesn't have off. to show he up just, anymore. Yeah, do he something has in made the studio a and... suit of armor for Cap. Ooh. That is the, the Captain America colors as an Iron Man suit. In the one hand is the shield. In the other hand, Thor's hammer. Come Thor's on. hammer. Yeah, because Cap has to pick up <laughs> Thor's hammer at one point, right? He has to pick it up. You think he has to He's pick gonna, it up? It's absolutely going to happen. Hmm, it's going to happen. Interesting. That kind of defeats like Thor's whole not whole that's purpose, true you'd have to like, find out why thor doesn't have the hammer himself yeah you're right maybe save right. that for the second one but i think they're the gonna but i think they're gonna kill tony i'm almost certain they're gonna kill tony yeah i think robert Downey jr is also getting a little tired of playing iron man he's in I his mean, 50s like i feel like he always says like ah you know i don't want to do too much more iron man and then you know that dump truck of money yeah. beep, beep, and the next day he's like i love iron I man love i'm gonna be in 20 man. more movies <laughs> i just bought a new mansion with iron man yeah. so you know um now talking about like once we hit like the second part of infinity war and then like the defenders, that's kind of the end of phase three. Mm-hmm. And I know that the, like uh, what to call him, not the showrunner, not the producer, the head of Marvel studios. Yeah. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige. I think he said he's kind of done after that. Yeah. There's some rumors that he would kind of like dust his hand and say, that was my, that was my experiment in movies. And now I'm going to go right into the sunset. So like, man, where do we go from there? especially with man you get so worried that someone else is going to pick up the reins and be like yeah i can do what he did and just fuck it up man you fucked up 15 years of movies bud uh where do you it's really tough and you're faced with the same dilemma that comic books themselves are faced with do you reboot or do you continue with this long continuity reboot you cannot reboot man okay you have to just keep going if you have to recast characters you recast characters you've had so many movies now with these characters in you don't just have a captain america trilogy just keep it going it's not called captain america 3 it's called captain america civil war as much as i love chris evans as captain america if he decides one day i don't want to be captain america anymore recast captain america okay if you don't want to kill iron man and robert downey jr doesn't want to play him anymore recast iron man 
right? Yeah. It's like James Bond. James Bond could be recast all the time. Just keep these stories going. You don't have to reboot, just recast. If people don't like it, well, you, you're doing pretty good so far. Whoever you cast is pretty damn good. Like right. every character, they just cast um who for, they just cast a, a girl. Is it uh, Brie something? Oh, I forget. Anyways. Oh, did they actually cast her? I, I heard they actually cast the her. Rumor yeah. Brie Larson yeah, Brie in Larson, the role yeah. of uh, uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah. I heard, I've heard that it is like official now. I, that, in some ways, I love that choice because she has just incredible personality and screen time. And it's also a great actor. I mean, she yeah. won an Oscar. If anyone yeah. saw Room, it's an unbelievable movie. I just, uh, Captain Marvel, the Carol Danvers character, is generally kind of like a Marvel answer to Wonder Woman. Yeah. Like she's very physically imposing and like beat, like Brie's going to have to really hit the weights for me to believe that she's like could punch Iron Man and have it hurt. Yeah. Right, like she, I think she needs to kind of like be a bit more, but uh, but again, they a lot, you can do a lot with the screen, and that's just such a minor complaint for an actress of her caliber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just don't reboot it, man. What comes afterwards, though? You think? Uh, do you think that they keep going with these mo- more Avengers movies? Do you think they switch over to TV shows? Uh, no, I think Avengers has to still be a movie. The budget's too huge, especially for all those big actors. You won't get them to do TV. Yeah. Where do they go? Hmm. Well, you, you, if you don't reboot it. You go with some new Avengers lineup because Infinity War has to kill some people and it has to retire some people. Well, not or that, but at the end of Avengers, we had like a new Avengers team, didn't we? At the end of Age of Ultron, Age we did. Of Ultron, until yeah. Civil War kind of undid that. But at least they were led to believe that new Avengers team was active for a little while. Yeah. Something you pointed out actually coming out of the movie was that little scene with Crossbones at the beginning, which is kind of a, I mean, it's, it's a great scene, but it's a I love scene. it, yeah. But we get the impression that they have crossed paths with Crossbones a couple times. Yeah. And it's like this great sense of like he's been a villain for a while and like also just what a cool Shit way. Shit happens yeah. outside of the movies, man. It's not yeah. just like Avengers 1 ends and then Avengers 2 starts. Right, like, and that this team has been, because like one point Cap's like just like we practice and like so they've been working together for a little while. Yeah. It was their been, day job, man. Right. <laughs> and I, like I really like that and so I think that's how you do it. You have a new team of Avengers. You continue Guardians of the Galaxy because yep. that's a great franchise. Yep. Set in outer space that has infinite possibilities. Like as many as you can do seasons of Futurama, you can do movies, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep. They take on the big space slug. They take on some <laughs> god on some planet. They yep. take on like there's you could take so many stories that are cosmic outer space and take a band of rogues and put it like it's just no reason to stop that. As long as all those actors are down, keep making those movies. Yeah, man. Now here's the question though. I agree. Like I I've always said you can't complain about what they put out, just be happy that we get superhero stuff, that we get what we like. No kidding. Right. But can they go too far? Um. Yeah, and are, are we talking specifically Marvel Studios or the like superhero genre? Let's talk about both. Okay. Well, superhero genre. I guess there is a. I think I think the superhero genre has already gone a little too far. There's a sense of it burning out, but I heard a great point recently that you know, unlike westerns or you know, like creature feature horror movies or the yep. kind of niche genres, a superhero is a very broad definition that can be applied to really a bunch of different genres. I mean, you take Daredevil, that's a gritty, rated R martial arts show. You know, you take something like Iron Man and it's like a techie, fast-talking, like usually kind of politics and intrigue a bit. You take Cap and it's very like current events. Yeah. It's, you know, like you can do a, several different shades of superhero movie. Yeah. And so I don't think the genre is in, in danger of dying out as long as there's creativity and you're willing to explore new ideas. I think that's what it is. You can't be afraid to... To break because superhero covers all these genres. Yeah, it's not just superhero, right? and, and, which I feel like it used to be. 
Right. And once you draw the line far enough, you almost can't tell where superheroes end and other genres begin. Look, look, look I'll give you a great example. Die Hard. That's a superhero yeah. movie in any other hands. All Cast- John McCain has to have is a superpower. And yeah. He's- All he has to be is Matt Murdock at a party. Yeah. And that's, that's a superhero movie yeah. now. Right. It's strange that like we were talking about this before. It, the reason you feel like, can they go too far is the oversaturation that I feel like the only big movies nowadays are superhero movies. Yeah, in a lot of ways. They really they really dominate the box office. Right, when you used to have like one or two big action movies a year and that was it, now you have those big action movies which don't do as well compared to the big superhero action movies. The the real concern, and I think this is the most valid concern, like I'm not worried that superheroes are going to die out. The superhero genre will die out, especially because the latest offerings from Marvel in terms of Daredevil, in terms of Civil War are so incredibly strong and just show that they command these characters and are telling interesting stories. The I think the, the threat is that it's crowding out other things at the multiplex. Um, there's a real concentration in the movie industry these days where it's just a small amount of things making a huge amount of money. Yeah. So what I mean by that is unless you're Christopher Nolan and you have the the chutzpah to make like <laughs> you know like Interstellar or Inception, it's like I just wrote this thing and we're gonna spend two hundred million dollars and we're gonna it's gonna make a ton of money. Yeah. Of course it is. You're Christopher Nolan. Yeah. It, nowadays it would be very hard to make a Back to the Future. Yep. or a Terminator or something, just random something that, new yeah. that just, you just have to go to it because it's a cool new idea. Is that, is, but is that why superhero movies do so well is because it's not, it's something we haven't seen on the screen before, but it's not new. It's, no, t- it's time tested. It's people, quite the people opposite. People love this shit. It's, it's a proven property yeah. and it's like, unless you're adapting proven properties now, Hollywood doesn't want to spend the money on yeah, new They don't want to take the chance. They don't want like, so imagine if that had been the case 20 or 30 years ago, we never would have gotten Star Wars. We never would have gotten Alien. We yeah. never would have gotten, because we could also focus on adapting All these, these movies IPs. that are being remade, and, or not remade, but even having just sequels yeah. brought out, right? Like we're going back to these things. So that's my concern is less, I'm not worried about the superhero genre. I'm worried about the superhero genre crowding out everything else. Yeah. I want to see some, I want to see more loopers. I want to see more like these cool new original ideas. Yeah. Rather than just have superhero movies dominate the multiplex. So as long as that happens, I'm not worried about the genre dying out. Right on, man. All right. Let's end this big. All right. Let's talk about if if you could see anything. I don't care so much about profits. If you could tell Marvel to make something, what would you have them make? I'm going to go first. Go nuts. I want to see a good X-Men TV show. We had mentioned that Fox with Marvel, if they mm-hmm. did ever switch more rights. X-Men could maybe get a TV show, do it right. Don't do it like heroes where that door closes before the big fight scene. I want to see some, I mean, Hey, I understand it's a TV show. You're not going to have as big of a budget, which is crazy because if you gave it a big budget, I mean, look how well daredevil does. I'm not saying that daredevil has a massive, massive budget, but a TV show, superhero TV show can be done properly. Yep. It has to be on like a Netflix or an HBO or it can't just be a network show. Yeah, exactly. Um, man, movie wise though, I want to see, after you do Infinity War, I want to see another Avengers movie, right? Um, in Ultimates Two, the second, uh, the kind of the way Ultimates was done, it was done like Ultimates One, one two, by, and by three. writers. I'm pretty sure uh, the first two were the same writer, and then the third one was a, a different writer. Yeah. So in the second one, there's one trade paperback called Gods and Monsters. Yep. Where because of America using all the um, using the Avengers the way they wanted to, going into countries and stuff like that, all these countries team up and make their own Avengers to come after America. And that's where you get things like Crimson Dynamo and there's like another speedster in there too and stuff like yeah, that. Some like characters maybe you haven't heard of before and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, 
they got to do something like that, man. That is such an amazing storyline and such a cool way to ha- still have a massive battle where the Avengers can fight not just one guy, but like a whole team. Right. And it's something I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned that. Cause that's a great idea. I, I would love that. And you can have bad guys that you can kill. Right. So if, if you've ever read Avengers comics, their general villains fall into two categories. One, an, a faceless horde of whatever. Yeah. So like when they fight a faceless horde of aliens or a faceless horde of Ultron bots, like that scene might've been a little like everyone's rolling their eyes. If you've ever read an Avengers comic, they fight faceless hordes of Ultron bots all the time. Yeah. But the movies have really mined that territory because the second thing that the Avengers always fight is a group of heroes who are kind of their opposite. Yeah. Or a group of villains rather who are their opposite. But I feel like they do it the they do what DC does, but not as cheesy. In what way? Well, like a Green Lantern's counter is, I forget the guy's fucking name. Who cares? He's a piece of shit anyways, but he's that yellow guy. Sinestro. Yeah, okay, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate DC. <laughs> Uh-oh, anti-DC bias creeping there in. There we go. Um, I don't hate DC, but. Green not. Lantern's pretty cool. I'd, I'd like to see that movie done right. <laughs> <laughs> Keyword done right. I didn't mind the the Green Lantern movie. I didn't think it was horrible. You're the one. I'm the one. I heard there I'm was the one, one person. Says I'm the like one, one person. person did not. Find but at the same horrible. time, you're also talking about a guy that doesn't like DC. So how do you think I go Fair into enough. every single DC movie? <laughs> right. right? Uh, yeah, I'm the guy that fucking started watching Batman versus Superman, knowing it was a piece of shit. Going, it looks kind of nice. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You always give the movie its due. Cinema. You know, cinematography, editing, like you know, as a picture. I know you. We were watching Batman v Superman. You're like, I kind of want to see this in better quality, yeah. just so that we can, so I can judge it. Yeah, as a I movie. stream that shit. I didn't fucking watch. I didn't go to theaters <laughs> to see that piece of garbage. I did go to theaters. <laughs> Although I heard that the extended version was coming out. Yep, the R-rated version. I'd be interested in seeing. Well, I really hope that there's a fucking flash scene other than like before. There, I doubt there is. Oh come on, there has to. be. I mean, I doubt it. <laughs> and what a weird. Anyway, we're okay. That's not Marvel. Yeah, so let's yeah, not yeah. let's not discuss what Stan would call the distinguished competition okay so detective you, comics comics yeah yeah detective <laughs> comics comics yeah uh I'll, I'll give you there's a couple things i'd love to see marvel do there's a couple things um you know i want to see a, like a uh, scarlett johansson black widow movie yep. i think that movie would write itself it's a jason Bourne action thriller open the movie with i won't even kill hawkeye and give Ooh, her a reason to go yeah, she needs yeah. to start that movie and go totally rogue yeah she needs to go off the grid torturing people tracking down justice and she needs to team up with daredevil Ooh, shit son there are they were late they were in a relationship yep. in the comics they were great so imagine there's some sort of thing where the kingpins involved. it's like and so now they're working together it's um, imagine a hallway fight scene we've seen in daredevil but it's the two of them fighting people yeah that's a movie that would write itself it's how you tie daredevil into the big screen universe it's how yeah. you give her a real movie a hallway fight scene sense. them versus kingpin yeah, oh. Where they're jumping off the walls and shit like that, yeah. and he's still grabbing them and throwing them around, and right? All that or shit. bringing the enforcers, Fancy yeah, Dan, yeah. like Montana, and like, oh, that would be great. But I think the movie I'd like to see most is something I heard pitched on a Screen Junkies podcast right. recently. So I'll give you the pitch too, yeah, because I think this would be a, Ooh, I'm a fantastic now. movie. <laughs> so I'll give you the pitch the same way the guy did it. Yep. So the scene opens right at Avengers headquarters. I guess the government Avengers, the Tony Stark Avengers. Yeah. Okay. The world suddenly goes crazy. We're getting alarms everywhere. They, we need we need Avengers here. There's an attack here. Attack here. The Avengers get dispersed, except for one guy, okay. Rhodes. Rhodes is crippled now. Rhodes is paralyzed. All right. So he has to stay home, and he is going through a depressing time in his life. Yeah. He was a soldier and a fighter pilot and a superhero. Now he, he's in a wheelchair, yeah. and life is really shitty, and he has to stay home while well, his friends He's starting to learn to how to walk. Already, but it turns out it's a red herring to draw the Avengers away Ooh. as someone infiltrates their base to shut them down forever. In the original pitch, it was Thunderbolt Ross setting in a Black Ops team to All do right. it, but it can be anybody. It can yeah, be Zemo again, whatever. Yeah. 
Baron Zemo would be good. Bring him back in. Bring Everyone knows who again, he is, right? Right. Well, a, Baron Zemo with his fucking covert ops team or whatever. Right. right? You already set that up. You yeah. can go a couple different ways. And now Rhodes has to do basically a diehard at the Avengers Mansion as a paralyzed man, but he has those appendages, so he can kind of get around a bit. Yo, man, ends up getting back in the War Machine suit. Yes. And the movie's called War Machine. Yeah. But the statement I'm, I want to make with this movie is it's about a veteran. It's about injured veterans. Let's do that story. Yeah. Let's do the story of an injured veteran. Even PTSD, vet. man. Like, yeah. oh, man, I actually got seriously injured doing this for a living. And Can I a, go back to it? And it's about a guy who feels useless, who feels left behind. He covered it a little bit with Iron Man already, but... Yeah, we don't have to do so much to PTSD. Like, you can be physically bothered. You can be depressed and wondering what the next chapter of his life is. And then by the end of it, arrive at like, yeah, I'm like the, the war machine can be a kind of a statement about military industrial complex. It can be a statement about soldiers, but it ends on a positive message. Like we see Rhodey, it's very gritty. He's not in the, iron, the war machine suit until the end. Yeah. He gets bits of it though. So maybe he gets the legs to help him move around, yeah. but he needs to get a new arc reactor. He's in like kind of bits of it. He's fighting off black ops teams. Yeah. And then by the end of it, he's in the suit again. And the Avengers come home and he saved the day. Yeah. And and right away, like, tell me you don't want to see that movie. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty fucking sick. That'd be pretty <laughs> sick. And it's a good, gritty PG-13 yeah. kind of like action movie. Yeah. You could throw someone in like Hawkeye in there. Hawkeye does end up coming back. Yeah. But he still gets the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. Right? Because there's a whole fucking team of guys. Yeah. That'd be, I think that'd be the way to go. Right. Um, right on, man. I think that we, I think the state of Marvel Studios is in a pretty good position. It's in a pretty good position. It's, uh, it's really strong. I, I love their Netflix stuff. I love their movies. Um, something I didn't even get to, uh, the Black Panther movie. I can't wait to see what they do yeah, with that. Yeah. I, they also set up with Bucky being frozen there. I think the way to go with that is you unfreeze Bucky and he stars in Black Panther. Ooh. He's uh, like a supporting yeah, character. Yeah. The Black Panther has to be the star of his yeah, own movie. Yeah. But he's a supporting character. Imagine like, a situation where, you know, Wakanda, his, his new arm is made of vibranium. His new arm is made of vibranium. Yeah, Isn't that a great... blown off again, right? Right. Yeah. And the Black Panther finds a way to cure him of his brainwashing yep. through like, you know, mysticism, the same mysticism that gave him his powers. Yep. And then it's a very like, um, you know, like some foreign power tries to invade Wakanda and he's lost his technology. He's lost his throne, but he has his suit yep. and he unfreezes Bucky and they go on a fucking ass kicking tear across yeah. Africa. Come on. Duo team movies, man. Yeah. They're... Clash of Worlds, duo teams, like, it would be great. Sweet, man. Well, I think that uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about in, we'll end up doing one probably next year, I think, as well. But um, this is Jason. And this is Elton. And you've been listening to The Wrong Side of the Maelstrom. 